2: What's up, everybody? It's Joe Puma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers podcast. I am with my guy, Matt Welty. He looks, listen, he looks like he's struggling over there with no AC. Yeah,
1: it's like in a tortured chamber. He's making a sacrifice for us. He's not blasting the AC yes. just to give you, the listener, the utmost audio quality. And he is sweating through And it.
2: of course, that voice who interrupted before I introduced him, my man, Brendan Dunn. <laughs> How we doing? <laughs>
1: Pardon of my impatience. I am here. I am feeling. You got good. that glow. You, you're in a hotel
2: somewhere. It looks like. Where, where are we at? We at a Mondrian or we at a uh where a W Hotel somewhere in an undisclosed location?
1: Hmm, it's not that nice, Joe. We don't have the sneaker shopping budget. But um, I'm glad you said glow because a couple people have seen me here on Zoom and they've said I looked a little pinkish. Mm-hmm. The shirt is pink. I don't know how my nose. Did I do I look like I got enough zinc on the sniffer? I think you're okay.
2: Yeah, you got a little. Okay. You got a
1: little. I've been applying it pretty liberally, Don. You know we were talking about earlier in
2: the week. We were talking about you kind of going through some old artifacts, and your brother. Not to throw him under the bus, but your brother gave away some stuff. What's going on there? Okay. And and what have you discovered since uh, you've been kind of digging
1: around? Oh man, we we can we can get into it to to some extent. So my brother, who I love dearly, mm-hmm. of course. And we've since reconciled the argument we had over it. But he's been kind enough to store a good load of my sneakers for the past eight years since I moved out to New York. So all the stuff I bought in college was sitting in his closet. And some people ended up wearing some of those sneakers. And I didn't know the extent to which people had worn those sneakers until I finally cracked the collection back open this weekend while I was in town out here in Portland. I guess, I guess we can reveal the location. Little, little treat for the listeners. But so I, yeah, I started, I started looking through stuff and there was a lot of stuff, you know, nothing too crazy or rare, but things that meant a lot to me from a sentimental standpoint that I remember exactly how I acquired them. And I remember the idea in my head that I had these on ice for years. And one day I would come back to them. So they did not, they did not look like I left them. Give us some shoes. Um, Cool gray Jordan Elevens. I had them DS for this whole time. Those are pretty worn. A backup player, Black Cement threes. Those are toast. Yeesh. Um, true Blue threes. All
2: from from like years and years, right? The
3: tidbit that I think that you that you let on to us is that you said that your your brother's like not
1: into sneakers or anything like <laughs> that. Um, he. You know what? I hope I hope he enjoyed them. I, I don't know that he necessarily. Picked pairs out of boxes and thought, oh, this is this. I'm excited to wear this. But al- but
3: also, for someone who's not, like, a sneakerhead, I can imagine them kind of wearing them with, like, a bit of a reckless abandon of not, like, hey,
1: I'm going to break these out, but I'm going to, you know, walk gingerly. I'm just probably going to go wear these shoes and go hike them out. And- it seems that way. But you know what? I, I, I loaded a bunch of them into my car, and I took them down to Index in Portland. Okay. Shout out. and. They are listing a bunch of pairs for me. Shout out to the good people at Index. One of the best consignment shops in the world, in my opinion, but I'm very biased. And they've been helping me out. We're we're donating some pairs that are just too worn to sell. But I've been quite surprised by the prices on some of this stuff that, well, too, we were talking about it in Slack, Mm -hmm. old SB stuff that I never thought would sell for what it sells for now. But, for instance, a pair of Appetite for Destruction SB Dunks, which was never a great SB Dunk to me, but I bought them at Buffalo Exchange 10 years ago and wore them throughout college. And now I can still sell them for Two hundred dollars or something in that range. So, so and it's a worn shoe. It's not. It's, it's a worn. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's you just know, crazy. It's, they're doing me the favor of cleaning off a bunch of the shoes that I'm dropping off there. Wow, so even that's though when cool. I pulled out those cool gray Elevens and I saw them so toast, I was worried that I couldn't get anything for them. But you know, still, still some value in those. Are they are they selling them as such? as they're letting people know that these were worn by Brendan? Dunn? <laughs> oh wow! I don't I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did people do the, that? The, the, the Dun, does anyone do the that? Dunn collection? Wow! All right.
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think my name means that much. So,
2: I I'm not sure if you guys go through this where you you remember a pair you had in your collection and you're like I haven't seen that shoe. In a while, and there's no way it's here or in any other place where I store my shoes. Going through that this week, and you know what sneaker it is? Do you remember the John Mayer Air Max 90s that he ID'd called Break yeah, the System? Yeah, Remember, I got those. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where those are. I'm wondering if they're in the office in the secret stash.
1: That, um, extremely stressful. Job. That is the worst. That is the worst. I've torn apart my whole room on multiple. Is this is just to find one random pair, of and robots. then to go back and look is such a,
2: it's just a mess. You have to take all the big boxes, then you don't you don't find them, and it's like your gut is like these shoes are not there, and I haven't found them. I need to find those though. I,
3: I only, it, but it, it, the the crazy part about that shoe, I remember us talking about it was I remember you kind of like I don't know if you were joking or not, like like if it should be considered in the top ten that like the like the year that it came out of what like- collabs. <laughs> Or just in general, and we're like, dude. Look the shoe yeah, look We're like, up. dude. It's a Nike. It's it's a Nike ID. Like he made he he made like a hundred. Like they're not. No, I don't anything he, other than him designing a Nike. It's ID. It's a good looking and, shoe,
2: but yeah, I don't think. I think he just you know John Mayer's like that with like where he's kind of disruptive in the sneakers. I think he also did
3: like a pickle Rick Air Max ninety. That I remember he, the pickle Rick one.
2: I need to find those. I have no idea where they would be. It's like you place sneakers. Oh, I know that's here even though i haven't seen it in a while those i have no idea where they are
1: Um, i'll tell you what though it feels good to go through old stuff and get rid of it i had some sentimental stuff like i mentioned that i just decided i got what i needed out of these and i am letting them go and i've done a good job too of not buying too much stuff i went to the nike employee store the other day the biggest flex is not going to the nike employee store but Going to the Nike employee store and ending up not buying anything because you are so jaded.
2: Uh, the other flex is going to the Nike employee store and only buying dry fit and no sneakers.
1: Yes. You go there for socks. Yes, exactly.
2: That's – I've been in dry fit. This whole heat wave in New York, it's only been dry fit.
1: We got to pick some up for Welty. He's out in, in Montclair, New Jersey or Elizabeth or whatever <laughs> sweating through it. Yeah. yeah.
2: He looks like Burt Reynolds in a in an 80s rom-com right now.
3: i think the one thing i've been doing lately is just finally just throwing things away and it feels good you know how many like shirts you'll find where it has like a stain on it or something and you're like oh no like i'll just put it back in the closet and you're like no just throw it out just throw it out take it to the donation bin. it's Mm -hmm. just get rid of it you don't need this in your house anymore it's ruined you'll never wear it again needs to be gone
1: how was the weekend anything fun I mean, I've been, you know, I've been bouncing yeah. around here and there. So, yeah, I've been. I've been How long crazy.
2: have you been gone? It feels like you've been gone for a month, but you've only really been gone for, what, a week? Um,
1: a week and a half, I think. OK. Are
2: you planning on taking any more vacation or? <laughs> Listen. No, you've been tapped in. I've, I've been like one day on, one day off, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. I'm in the mix. Yeah, I've been trying to take a day off, but there's just too much, man. Too much. And I also don't want to take a day off until I find a pool that I could just spend the whole days at. Does that
1: make sense? There's no pool at the rooftop deck, Joe? No, no, no pool.
2: I need the pool in this 90-degree-plus weather. You know what other shoe I can't find? The Ben Kicks Grateful Dead Dunks. He, and, he's, and he's put it on Instagram. They're on their way, and he, he instagram story that they're on their way. They're still not here. And he tagged you in it? He tagged me in it. He was getting a little cocky, Ben, and now still not here. But I will keep the listeners. Do you have a tracking number? No tracking number. Still,
1: I'll keep the listeners updated. But it's been it's been four weeks. Teenage sneaker reseller Ben Kicks has been it's been saying for almost a month now yeah. that he was going to send you a pair of Grateful Dead Dunks, and and he didn't send any. Yeah, there sh-
2: there may be shipping delays. You know, we've heard that there's shipping delays.
1: So allegedly, I know I, DHL is playing some games with me. They got some Milo. They're supposed to leave on my doorstep, but we can talk about that elsewhere.
2: Okay. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna put a segment of the complaint, the complainer hour. Who, who can sponsor it? What else? Clark Kent just posted the Jordan Four Union collaboration. I know that you guys don't like it. I'm on record saying I do like that shoe.
1: I'm holding out. I'm I'm I'm, I'm waiting. Hold on, though. Hold on. Time out.
2: Time out. Time out. This is what I want to talk about. Done. Didn't we talk about last week that you weren't a big fan of the Jordan Four Off White? But I've seen you in everyone's comments asking for that. No, who did I? Who did I ask for that? Are you being facetious or what? Yes, Mayor. Oh, as a Mayor. joke. No. Okay, so I'm asking, but I saw like multiple things. Like I'm just
1: doing my trolling thing on it. I don't. I don't actually want those.
2: Oh, okay. So you were I'm... trolling.
1: You were trolling. I, I wasn't sure because I. Saw, I don't I think... know about that. I don't know about that it, one. I don't know. You definitely that. don't know about it, Wealthy. So don't talk about things you don't know about. But go ahead, Joe.
2: No but but I saw like I don't know about I saw that multiple I do not know times. for sure wealthy that he wants them I'm I I don't know I'm uh, I don't get what what you guys are hiding I just saw and I was like wait I remember specifically Dunn being like You're, I'm not a fan of these but then I was like Oh, is he asking serious? And then I thought I saw it somewhere else. Maybe it was Slack that you were trying to get them. I did wake up them. early that
1: Saturday morning no? because, I mean, any off-white Jordan, I'm going to go on the sneakers app and spend the 10 to seconds flip? to try and put in and, and flip them. But, yeah, I, I don't think I would wear that shoe if I had okay. it. Okay. Although, although Brendan did say on record, on
3: full-size run, that he was not going to buy the shoe because he felt it was more appropriate to try and let women buy the sneaker, which me and Trinidad both thought was a little funny. I have no
1: comment. That's all. (laughs)
2: Okay. I was just,
3: yeah. I was just wondering.
1: That's what I was getting to on the whole scenario. Yeah. I had no idea what you meant. (laughs) That's what
3: I was getting to on the whole, on the whole, on the whole scenario. It wasn't, it was not, I I don't know if you were trying to get the shoe or not. It was just the statement that you had made that nobody actually really believed you
1: on, but that's fair.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was interested, but anyway, minutes before this podcast, Clark Kent seems like he unveiled the union Jordan Four. Which you guys and a lot of other people in the complex Slack, complex sneaker Slack, don't like. I like them though.
3: I wouldn't just say complex sneakers slack. I would say that that the, the internet, the internet, unanimously did not like that shoe
2: last week. I'm willing to say people who didn't like them at first are going to change their mind always,
1: and that's why, why I like. take
2: one good lookbook, one good image, or of course one good influential say the name celebrity to do it. No, I'm just saying it could be a bunch. Who knows? Union is always forward thinking, so I'm interested to see who, who they put in it. But
1: you think I'm on the list?
2: No, but well, maybe. No, <laughs> definitely not. But um, but I I like those. I like they're those. looking better
1: already. I I think we're all mature enough to know that it's not a good idea to make too much of a judgment on a sneaker based on the early leaked photos. I think we just have to wait and understand the whole story and and see what they look like in our hands or in the official photos. So at, at, at first glance, they are not for me, but I'm willing to give them time. I think it's one of those shoes that when I when I first saw it,
3: whether i thought it was good or bad i just knew that no matter what happens no matter what people said about the shoe initially that it was going to become a grail for people and there were people who were going to spend a ton of money and it's still going to somehow end up on the best sneakers of the year discussion and all of that just because it's a union air
2: jordan i think it's going to age well honestly i i really do i think um oh wait i think it is so We'll see. I think we're ready to bring our guest in. Guest is having a big, big couple weeks. Our guest on today's podcast sharpened his skills as a kid by drawing Garfield on demand for classmates. He parlayed his early drawings into a full fine art major when he attended college, and by then he had put Garfield on the shelf and started drawing on sneakers for himself and his friends. One of his first designs was a pair of Air Max 90s that boasted multiple shades of purple to homage legendary New York City hip-hop collective, Dipset. Years later, he would boast a resume of making custom sneakers for a celebrity clientele that includes Jay-Z, LeBron James, John Cena, Steph Curry, Sasha Banks, and Nikki Bella, and your favorite NFL players who want to stand out on Sundays. Last week, to the delight of the sneaker community, he announced his first sneaker built from scratch, dubbed the Mosh Runner Centralia. Please welcome to the podcast our friend, Mosh.
0: Joe, I've been so excited to hear you. Intro yeah. me like that, here you know, listening to you guys do these things. I, I was yeah. guessed you'd come up with, so I'm impressed. Thank you.
2: Thanks, man. Hope I did it. I hope I did some sort of justice. We could have that intro could have took the whole hour. And I say that because there's so many times I'm shooting sneaker shopping and your name comes up because you really, really and we'll get to it later, but you really have carved out a lane in terms of having a celebrity clientele that when they want something new and fresh, they, they go to you. So we will get to that later, but we do want to start in the beginning. We want to start with the Garfield character and you being in school and people asking you to draw Garfield. And that's kind of how you cut your teeth in terms of being an artist. Is that true?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're hitting me with the Nardwar references right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I was always a fat kid and I was very shy even as a young youth and I was always drawing shoes and Garfield was kind of like my thing. Um, I I would scribble him on notebooks or whatever. And the way I would kick game was the girls would be like, Oh, could you draw Garfield? Like holding the flower or doing whatever. And of course me, I'm like, I'm a simp. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll draw whatever. (laughs) So so it it just was always like, that's how it started. Um, Then I graduated to Calvin and Hobbes and Ren and Stimpy and, I was always drawing cartoons and as I got older, you know, my grandma was an art teacher. So the artistic talent was always there. Like everything I was taking art classes. I took AP art, you know, they actually ran out of I was taking college levels. Is it an AP art class? Yeah. It was college level art. So you got college credits for it. And I was taking them as a junior and I ended up getting extra credit and whatever. And they actually ran out of classes for me to take my senior year. So they sort of make up their own kind of thing for me because They just didn't know what to do with me. And I was kind of one of those kids that, like, you think of an art kid, you think of, like, the goth kid or, you know, like, the one that's in their feelings. But I'm also the one that was playing football and baseball and whatever. So, like, the art kids didn't really like me. And then my athlete friends were like, oh, he's going to the art room, you know, go whatever. So it was was kind of a fun little line to straddle to kind of fit in. So John Garfield was a good fallback, for sure.
1: Were you a sneaker kid then, too?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean... I grew up in a trailer park, so, you know, we didn't have the most money. So, when I started, you know, I was wearing, like, Spalding's and things like that, and Voight's. You know, I was wearing, like, Vo- the Voight turfs that I wore okay. during Little League and into school. You know, and, and, you know, you get teased, as every other kid does. It's a little worse these days than it used to be. But um, I remember the first pair of shoes I ever bought my own money was a pair of black and silver Jordan 5s, 1990. I was, And the thing was, back then, you didn't know what shoe was coming out. I mean, it was just the Jordans. You walk in the Foot Locker and the Astro, you know, the old school locker with the, the scoreboard and all that stuff you yep. walk in that's mm-hmm. what was there and you know warm to the ground and then you know you only get one pair of shoes because that's all you could afford you know until the next year so you you treat them as good as gold as long as you can until you dog them then you're like all right i don't know what's next <laughs> yeah
2: so the black and silver fives are kind of the ones that really did it for you and yeah
0: that was the first appreciation every time they retro i like, get another pair and throw some weight laces in them and i mean as you know joe we we both have a love for that off white pair because it's pretty close to that yes. too. It, yes. Is is
3: Jordan still like when it comes to your love for sneakers that's still like the the peak of it or
0: uh, as I think for a sentimental part, yeah. I mean, as you get older, I think your tastes change. I mean, I'm 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 eclipsed the the 40-year-old line now. So I'm a little more into comfort than in style like I wasn't lining up to get my black and yellow 12s last week. I was more looking to get some, you know, 992s in and, and Ronnie's kit. It. like I'm looking for that kind of stuff. So like the styles change, but I also still gravitate toward the things that hit me, you know, in the heart a little bit. So like any OG colorway or something that hits nice, I'll go for. But I mean, like there's shoes I appreciate as a, I guess a, as a creative part of it. Like I like the LeBron that came out today, but I'm never gonna wear those things, so I'm not gonna go after them.
1: Yeah. Was there stuff early on that you saw in terms of custom sneakers? I'm just trying to figure out when in your life this art part of your world connected with the sneaker part of your role what did you see that brought those things together
0: um the iron sneakers were always kind of running like this in my life mm-hmm. so the first time I saw something was actually um it was an issue of actually it was a complex issue oh nice and, and um it was when c2 was, it was some kind of uh, some pictorial and he was doing custom shoes and a bunch of girls holding the shoes and I was just like oh shit I could do that Mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it started yeah I, it was no competitive part. I just kind of saw that that was something that we could do so you know the pair that you were referring to before you know the purple 90s that was a dip set colorway um they were terrible you know there was no real uh how to on how to properly customize or paint a shoe back then I went to the art store and got some regular paint in my mom's basement no prep no nothing so the first time I wore them they cracked and peeled and everything else then i learned that there was more people doing what i was doing and it was kind of like a little secret society because you know even now custom shoes are kind of very polarizing whether people really really mess with them or they hate them and back then it was even worse like you weren't painting jordans like it was either dunks or air forces and that was pretty much about it
1: what era is this this is like 2004 for you 2002 okay
0: yep so when i when i first started it was just that and, you know, we we're bouncing off ideas like the ISS forums and the Nike talks, you know, like guys had our own little custom forum and we would share secret knowledge of like we knew how to get the Angelus paint, which was something no one ever knew about back then. You had to like special order it or know to go in the back of this fabric, you know, uh, wardrobe store to go get this paint and it in like little bottles. And now they blew up because, you know, this whole painting part of the customization world blew up. And now there's so many aspiring artists and there's a lot of really good ones and a lot of really, really bad ones. So it's, it's kind of, I think it's part of why the custom culture, at least on the painting side is so polarizing because I think I know, you know, you guys have your opinion sometimes of, of some custom shoes, but sort of why I just choose to bite my tongue because I have to.
2: Do you bite your tongue because you, even though you are at a different level than a lot of customizers that you think back to when you were coming up and they, like you said, they are, a lot of polarizing designs. They're either really good, some are comically bad. And people who aren't customizers, do you think it's kind of fair for them to critique to the level that they critique sometimes when they have never done one? Like,
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because, I mean, if someone's just starting, just like, you know, the first time, like, I suck at soccer. If I go and try to play soccer, I don't be terrible at it. And they're going to roast me for it. And I understand. I just should probably be better off throwing a baseball than doing that. I think it's a lot easier to kind of look on the side and judge and things like that. And, you know, bad works, bad work, no matter what, but also people have to have a little bit of uh, you know, wear the shoe on your foot and kind of understand where it's coming from. Like when we put it out there, we're agreeing to get criticized and roasted and picked apart. It's just part of the game, especially now, you know, it's one of those things that even when I showed my shoe for the first time, I was extremely excited and extremely scared at the same time, because I had no idea what was going to happen, what people were going to say, but then did you get roasted? No, nah, not really. I mean, for, I think for the most part it was pretty positive, thankfully. But I mean, you know, you also learned that there's going to be bad, and as long as you accept it, it's like all right, just like you know when say a, a new Jordan comes out every year, it's always very, all oh, this is terrible. Like or when the Union Four, they showed that picture. Some people are like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then you then go oh well let's let's keep that energy when the good pictures come out and whatever. Exactly. I already saw... We
2: just had that convo. We just had that convo a second ago. Totally.
0: Yeah, I already saw that photo. I'm like, they're not bad. They're different, but they're not bad. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. So I, I held them judgment. I didn't talk. I didn't say anything.
3: you you mentioned earlier um you know you, you only painting dunks and air forces and being afraid to paint other stuff but i think one of the things you're also known for is you've done customs on nike mags you've done customs on air yeezys do you ever feel like a bit sacrilegious
0: taking a sneaker like that not anymore like when i when i first did it i was terrified because it was always a high profile client and i mean thankfully i had you know, eight years of practice underneath my belt. So I wasn't knew I wasn't gonna destroy the shoe in terms of prepping and doing that. But the artwork, I mean, that's that's a whole other story. So you want to make sure you do it right. But I've gotten to the point now, like I think I think one of the things that people have a problem discerning with customs is if you're buying art or buying a shoe. And what I'm selling is art. You know, like I look at the shoe as a canvas and you're paying me to put my art on that canvas. Granted, it's their choice to be like, I want to use a five thousand dollar easy too as a base that's your thing you know but you know when they say that it devalues the shoe it might devalue the shoe but my art still works my well my art is like and thankfully you know over these years you know i've been able to command a price where i can be very selective and who i work with and what i choose and i can cherry pick thank god because you know at the time i was taking on every south beach colorway and every whatever because you know you have to keep the lights on but now i'm i'm in a fortunate position that You know, it's usually corporate clients, it's usually athletes, and they're very much into what I'm doing. And obviously, I'm going to put more of my energy into working with those that support what I'm doing.
2: What do you think was the first big break? Maybe not the first break, but the first custom design that was solicited from you from a celebrity that really put you on the map?
0: It, it was definitely that LeBron for LeBron, the, the Iron Man one. Um, I think a moment before that.
1: Beautiful shoe.
0: For for what it was and in and that time, it was cool, especially knowing you know Jason Petrie already and finding out that the next uh, LeBron 11 was going to be based off of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool that LeBron carried that over into the next month. And I know they planned that far more in advance. So LeBron had that in his head before he even talked to me.
1: Jason Petrie obviously the longtime Nike LeBron designer who's been kind of his right hand man for his shoes at Nike for forever now
0: and I remember the same weekend that he or yeah the weekend that he wore them against the Spurs and warm-ups was the same day that I dropped the Iron Man mag the same exact day I had no idea that it was happening but um that was the thing that mainstream people were like that's the guy that does LeBron shoes because LeBron was a he's a he was massive back then. Obviously now he's got schools and all this other stuff, and mm-hmm. he's an icon, you know, for everything. So I remember the night. I hate to even compare like success to like Instagram posts or whatever, but I remember I went to bed whatever night it was, and I woke up with like thirteen thousand more followers, and I went to bed with wow. Because he posted the shoes, and I had you know I had no clue, and then I looked, and I was like, oh my god! And you know that's when like kids in Iowa knew who Mosh was. This
1: is the LeBron Ten Iron Man back in like 2013, I think it was.
0: Yep. Yeah, because I actually gave them to him at All Star in Houston that year. We flew out and delivered them, and went to the hotel, and it, it was a little chaotic because I was dealing with uh with Ernie uh, Ramos, his his guy, and um they run a tight ship, very much so, yep. you know. And so it was just like boom, 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 like it's your time to go with them, get it moving, keep them moving, and like I didn't hear anything for a while, and you know they brought me out for All Star and all that stuff, but all the way till the finals was the first time I actually saw him. Wearing them, that was it. And it, certainly a moment for custom shoes for sure.
1: Do you feel like that changed just your relationship with Nike or Nike's relationship with customizers in general? Like up to that point, did you have an idea of how they felt about you buying Nike shoes and essentially reselling their product and making it your own? Because I know there's murky legal waters in there sometimes.
0: Not really. Because what happens is if you're buying a Cadillac and put a body kit and rims on it, Cadillac's not suing you. Yeah. back then, it might have been a little more taboo to be doing stuff because I think as long as you're not selling it off as like a Nike product or as their concoction. Official shoe, different. yeah. right, Exactly. You know, I think that line was drawn pretty early with me. But like, yeah, I'm doing artwork on these shoes. I mean, luckily, when LeBron's thing happened, you know, LeBron's product guy was sending me his shoes. So it wasn't like I was going running to finish line and grabbing a side 16 LeBron 10. You know, they, mm. they knew what was going on. Um, you know, and that's how it's been now, you know, with the custom cleats and all these things I'm dealing with, you know, the Adidas rep, the Nike rep, whoever it is. And, you know, they're sending me a whole case of their stuff and I get a lot of boxes from Memphis and Portland and whatever. So that's what my office looks like right now. How much, how much do you
3: feel that like the brands themselves are kind of trying to maybe cut the customizer out of the equation and do what you guys are doing?
0: Yeah, I, I actually heard Geiger mention that on his episode. And I think to, a, to an extent, I don't know if it's so much I I actually would I'll, I'll backtrack. I joked um, a couple of LeBron models ago when you couldn't take the shoelaces out of him. I think it was the thirteen. It was a nearly impossible thing to lace out. I texted Jason Peter, I'm like, yo, Brown, are you guys sitting at a table and saying, like, what can we do to make the shoe absolutely a nightmare for customizers to touch? And he and I was like, I'm ready to cut these things apart and he just started laughing because he, he he knows. So I think they embrace it a lot more than they used to. I mean, you see all these DIY shops and they're an all-star and, you know, they have all these activations and I think they're trying to find their way to get into something that organically happen. And, and I think, I mean, why not? I mean, it's, people are into that stuff. You see people dying, dying shoes. I mean, I did it and that's not even like my thing, but I was like, this is what the kids like. We're going to dip some shoes in. And, yeah. you know, you still got to get those views no matter how real you want to keep it. But, um, yeah, I th- I think that they, they just want to figure out a way to to utilize the things they've learned from us custom artists to figure out how to benefit from it. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're using their product, so it is what it is.
2: How do you feel about lately we see, like, soul swapping and customs like that? Do you have a viewpoint on that? Some of them are, I see, like, Sakai's with, like, I've seen some crazy ones lately. Oh, yeah. Is that a different arena from, do you guys consider, you know, do, do the artists consider that a different arena of customizers?
0: Yeah, I mean, customizing, I feel like, falls into about four different subcategories. And actually, I remember I remember touching on this on the full-size run forever mm-hmm. ago with you guys. You know, there's the guys that are that are the Doms and the JBFs that totally recreate the shoes and do that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's people that do soul swaps that are just taking, like, the Govern guy who I've done stuff. He actually soul swapped an Odell cleat with uh, Air Max 2 bottom okay. for me. And they were dope. Mm-hmm. They were great. And, um, and then there's just artists that, are putting art on on shoes, and then there's people that will do our work that that kind of flows with the shoe, whether it's a colorway or like I did, like that Warhawk Sakai. Yeah, and you know that's that's something that like creative-wise, it's not very creative, but it's something that you know people are gonna like. Cause it's a popular theme on a popular shoe. Um, it's just like kind of putting out the club song and knowing you're gonna get those views for that, and people are gonna, you know, if you're really trying to sell volume and know what the kids like, you know, that that's what you're going for. But um. The soul hub's cool. I mean, I think I think if it makes sense, I see, again, like everything, There's you take the good and the bad and kind of filter through what's good and what works. Um, some are you take risks because if you don't take risks, and like, you're just going to kind of stay stagnant and stay where you are. I mean, that that's kind of how I've been around for 20 years now. Is, you know, I take some risks and, you know, some stuff not everyone likes, and that's fine. You know, I, I think if you're trying to be play too safe, then you're just kind of going to go away. And then there's been a lot of customizers that have gone away because they can't, they can't change or evolve.
1: You mentioned selling volume. I want to understand that better and just how your business model works. I'm not looking for numbers. People always get upset when I ask for how much money they're making, but I just think of, uh, for example, like how much does a Moss shoe cost, $1,000,
0: $2,000? It depends. It depends on um, the type of artwork, the turnaround time.
1: Yeah, because I, I just think like of, of you making a shoe in a week's time and then how many of those can you make in a year? Like do you have people working for you?
0: Um, I have one other guy that helps me with prepping things. Like while I'm talking to you guys downstairs, he's prepping a bunch of Pumas for a gaming project. So like the stuff that I used to hate doing, now he does and helps out. So the taping and things like that, like I'll go down there, prep, ready to go. And I'm ready to to rock. So you have to figure out a way to work a little more efficient. I mean, I used to just sit sit in the old basement, paying away. And that's where the cherry picking comes in because you know a lot of people will come to me with like an idea or, you know they're looking for a bargain custom and it's like there's so many other guys that can do that that are mm-hmm. trying to get the foot board. it's like a process you can learn how to paint a shoe one solid color properly off youtube so i would rather send that guy to them and whatever you know if someone comes to me with an idea or theme that really piques my interest creatively i'm sometimes i'll just push products away or you know off to the side so i can do this because it actually gets me excited because after 20 years you it's very hard to get excited about the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not sure a lot of people can relate to that even if it's not in, you know, a creative space. But in terms of pricing, my private orders and commissions start at $1000 and they can go up from how fast you want them. Like if you want them within a week, you're going to double that price immediately because I'm pushing people to the line and my time and their time is worth paying that if they're willing to do it then I'm more than happy to accommodate.
3: How much has, like, the the corporate side of it really, like, benefited you? I know that, you know, I mean, just being honest, like, transparent in the, in the space that we work in, there's so many times when, you know, a liquor brand or a soda brand wants to find their space within the culture or whatever. So, they'll hit up you or hit up Shoe Surgeon and you'll get, like, a Hennessy Air Jordan 4. Just throwing right. out a random example that's not, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No. It, um, it's certainly become a lot more prevalent probably in the last four years or so. I think, um, I remember my first project with that was like Seagram's gin and doing a giveaway and I did a whole, and I did Brisk and I did Pepsi and a bunch of different things like beverages and, and Samsung, all awesome things, trying to figure out ways to connect with that demographic and sneakers is obviously a very easy intersect for those things. It's become pretty, pretty big. I mean, even complex partnerships and, you know, people come to me for different things and whatever. Um, I would say it probably accounts for 60% of what I do now. I'd say the other 35% are the athletes and then the 5% are private orders. That's about it. That's great.
2: I want to go back a little, you talk about the meetup with LeBron being chaotic, but you did have a chaotic meetup with Pharrell Williams back in the day. Can you tell (laughs) that story and that year and, and what shoe that was for people who may not be on, who aren't on the radar yet?
0: Yep, that was um, that was the Reebok ice cream, and I remember I, I did them for myself it just as as a fan, as a creative. I had an idea to do a portrait of him, and you know the drop a leg it's hot thing, talking about you know ice creams two for a pair. Yep. You know that was that was what I put on it. And um, this is when NErd was on tour with Kanye um, for the Golden the Dark tour, and him and Chad were doing an in store at the at the B um, B C store at the time. And the old B B C store was all glass and see through. If you remember, like mm-hmm. you can see the whole thing. So like. I went down there, I took a day off from work, brought the shoes down. I was like, I just want to give these to him, you know, whatever. I took the day off. I got a bunch of business cards, stood in line all day, you know, and it was almost like a sneaker lineup, you know, but everyone's there to like get autographs from him and whatever. I'm just trying to give him shoes. Uh-huh. So I stood there all day, and, you know, as, as most sneak, sneaker lineups or whatever, you're sitting there talking to people and you start conversating and then people are learning what I have in my box. And, you know, they're like, oh, those are so cool, yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. So time comes that for um, and Chad got to leave because I got to go to the garden for the show. And I didn't get in yet. And I was like, yo, there's no way I stood here all day and he's not getting these damn shoes. Mm-hmm. So You stood
1: in line to give somebody shoes. Everybody wants That's to go there saying. to get something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, yo, I went to the security guard and I threw all my business cards in the box. And I was like, yo, just can you give these to Pharrell? And he was like, just give them to him? I'm like, yeah, just give them to him. So he's like, all right. So he passes them off. And you and I see this shoebox traveling upstairs because, again, it's glass. And then he comes in and he's walking out and he pops out his head and, and then security points at me. And he's like, and he comes over and he's like, these are amazing. You know, thank you so much. Yada, yada, yada. And he was like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to bring these to Japan and show Nigo and do all this stuff. And I'm getting freaking gas. Wow. So, like, so Pharrell saying
2: that, obviously these are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Didn't realize how little he was in person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big guy, but I didn't realize that he's, real. real. he's got to be like five eight nine maybe i mean i'm six one two so so he's about he's know.
3: about we i know we had a debate about this he's about brendan dunn size right <laughs> he's
0: slightly <laughs> shorter than me sounds like he's he, he short he's short he than you brendan thank you Maja. but um but then he he was like you know i'm gonna put him on the blog and back then the BBC blog was huge he's like i'm gonna put him on there and whatever you know that's there was no instagram back then so i was like all right and maybe like two weeks later they were on the blog and he thanked me and pointed to my page and that's i was great like, you know, i was going nuts so to get a little Pharrell post time was certainly nice. every once in a while I'll see them still pop up. Like they'll use them in like um, shots for advertising and stuff, which is kind of cool. It's awesome.
1: Joe mentioned that you did a Jay Z project too at one point. Mosh has done so many sneakers for so many famous people. Remember when you did a Jay Z one. The 444 tour, all those Pumas
0: that have the barcode on them. That was, I have those. Yes, yes, yes. That was my- I have those that, downstairs. Yeah. Well what? the thing the thing was, you know, I worked with Emery and I worked with Puma. And that's Emery Jones,
2: Jay-Z's one of Jay-Z's right hand guys who now heads up um kind of entertainment for entertainment marketing for Puma.
0: Yeah. And the thing was we didn't want to make it because you know, usually when you're working with Jay-Z, you're like, oh my God, I'm doing shoes with Jay-Z. I'm gonna tell everybody. And like my family knew and people around me knew, but we didn't want to make it so much about me as as it was the moment, you know, on the tour and all that stuff, like we wanted to kind of keep it cool. So it wasn't like I did these custom, but like people who knew me knew, like, I knew Russ knew that. I did. Are they the tan ones? Yeah. Wow.
2: I'm not going to lie. I had no idea that you were behind that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that means I did my job and kept my mouth shut.
2: And they kind of have, I, oh, they have like the Hender scheme type of yep. vibe to them, right?
0: And the insoles have to have the track list and the 444. Yeah. yeah.
2: Wow, I never knew that you did those. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And and the thing was, like, we didn't want to make it a big thing. I mean, that was and you know, Emery's like, he goes, "You can tell people." He goes, "But you know, then people are going to take it for whatever it is." And I was just like, "Yeah, that's fine." You know, at the end of the day, I you know, I'm seeing Beyonce wearing my shoes and I'm freaking out. And I still have a picture saved on my phone, but you know, only a few people have seen that or know that it's me. So it's cool. You know, it's, it, even if it's a couple years later, some people know. But you know, shouts to Emory, shouts to Puma, Entertainment, all those guys because you know, I've had a great relationship with those guys for years now. And actually, I remember. um was it, two years ago? I was out in LA for the Grammys and um, they had a party for Nipsey for his Grammy party and Jay was at the party and I went up to Jay. I'm like, Jay, I'm like, I'm the guy that did those shoes for the tour. He's like, oh shit. Yeah. I was like, like, I'm gonna be a fan for like two seconds. I gotta get a picture because I'm, I had to shoot. I remember that. I have to and then like
3: the rock nation brunch sort of sort of photo right no
2: but i remember that picture was it it was a nighttime picture it wasn't yeah. at the rock nation brunch go yeah. ahead i remember nation. i know exactly what you're talking about
0: yeah the brunch was a separate event but it's crazy because the picture with jay nipsey has the photo bomb in wow. the back so wow. it's kind of like iconic photo on two accounts amazing but crazy
3: you know you you I mean, we mentioned earlier where you talk about working with all these brands and athletes and all that sort of stuff and do you ever get like obviously you don't want to like lose clientele. Is there ever like an idea that someone has that you're worried about putting on a shoe or you had a sneaker, an idea for like a celebrity or like a, you know, an athlete where you're like, damn, I can't put this on a sneaker. Like it's just going to be too much. You, you mean just for like, like my own
0: morale. So like someone wants like a trunk or,
3: or something like that. All right. I wouldn't even, <laughs> not, not even, not even but, but like, something there.
0: Cool, like something like that. I mean, I, I've turned down a lot of themes that I just won't put my name on. Like, just because I'm, I try to what? uh, well, it's like drug shoes and things like that. I mean, I try to stay as Switzerland as possible. At the end of the day, I'm still, still trying to get bags from corporate. I can't be, uh, going, going crazy and doing, you
1: mentioned uh, Trump shoes. Did someone want
0: a Trump mosh sneaker? Uh, someone wanted some Trump stuff and I was just like, and I just said, I don't want I don't do political stuff. And I I just said that I was like, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. So was there someone
1: in the Trump family?
0: No, no. no, no. <laughs>
1: Paul Manafort wanted a pair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you imagine? Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, no.
2: Take us through a Sun, an NFL Sunday week. <laughs> what client? You know, Stefan Diggs. What? Who, who? Name some of like the clients you have, and then take us through a NFL week and how it comes to fruition on Sunday mornings.
0: And it certainly varies from player to player. Um, Diggs, we, we try to get our stock done Mm -hmm. before the season and so I'll hit up the rep and have all my my blanks ready to go because even now with COVID I mean shipping is crazy so you don't you want to try and get stuff right like I was actually just talking to Jarvis Landry's guys about getting him good for the season so he's he's mosh gang this year
2: okay awesome
0: um so I'm excited to work with him because he's a creative dude and yeah again I like to work with people that are all about what, what what I'm about so with Diggs, it depends. Sometimes he'll have an idea ready on Monday, or like even like I'll talk to him pregame the week before, to be like I have an idea. And generally, we do themes that are based off of um, the city they're in or the team they're playing. Like I remember last year for week one, they played Atlanta, so they did the AT Aliens cleats. Then I remember for like Color Rush, we ended up doing Young Thug cleats that were bright green. So Toy totally did yep. the purple, and he went off in those. And then in LA, we did the big, big perm cleats. So, like, he'll have ideas every once in a while, and sometimes I'll have to come up with them, which is fine. But then there's also times that, like, I won't hear from him until, like, Thursday. And he'll be like, no, what are we doing? I'm like, bro, it's like, I- I've, been, I've been trying to hit you, like, you know, whatever. And, you know, I understand that the life of an NFL, an NFL is yeah. far different than a 41-year-old guy in Connecticut. I, I understand that. And then you have other guys that, you know, have their cleats early, or I have to know, like, say, like, I, I do work with a lot of Vikings, so I have relationships with, with the equipment managers and whatever. And I'll know, like, I'll talk, say, like, Herb Smith's another guy that I've been doing a lot of stuff with last year. He was a rookie, and now he's on his second year. But he wants to go real heavy on the cleats. I know that he's not going to remind the equipment manager to send me the cleats on Monday. So I'm already calling the equipment manager. I'm like, I know Herb's not going to tell you, but I need another 13 sent out here. Like
1: That's oh, a tight turnaround, too, because then you've got to ship them out by when.
0: Yeah, always. Oh, so, I mean, How does
1: that – so Thursday night – are you doing it? Can you do it? You, and
2: then it's how many di- how many hours in a row? No sleep or what is it like?
0: Yeah, it it, it varies. You know, some pairs. If um, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my YouTube, but you can you see like from last season a lot of those things I was doing. You know, during the playoffs, you know, there's a whole start to finish like time timer going. So you kind of see how it goes. But it's frantic. You know, sometimes there's a lot more you know lead time, but then also like during the playoffs, so, like you know, remember the game I was in New Orleans with them when they beat the Saints. I flew home on, on Monday, and they're have their they're flying to San Francisco on, on Friday because their game's on Saturday. I'm doing Diggs' cleats. I'm doing Herb's cleats. I'm doing George Kittle's cleats on top of that because he hit me up like last minute. He was like, I want to do the rock cleats. And was, you said George Kittle from Nice Kittle?
1: Kittle. Yeah, oh.
2: does this. Do <laughs> you know who George Kittle is, Don?
1: Absolutely what, posi-
2: what position does George Kittle play?
1: Are just are asking me? Yeah, just throw it out. <laughs> Tight end. Well, he hey. got it. Hey, hey, there we go. A total shot in the dark. A total okay, shot in the well, dark. well. Go on. All right, yes. you definitely go, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, so everyone has d- different experiences. They're always, always try to turn around it's just because they're playing week to week. So it's, and I'm not gonna do something where I'm just gonna half-ass something. I'm gonna, because I have a reputation to put these fire cleats out and, you know, put really high-detailed artwork. And that's a big reason why I don't try to recruit 100 guys for the season because, you know, with that volume, the the quality of work decreases. And I don't want to be relying on, you know, doing like basic cleats, you know, and nothing wrong with that, but you know, what I'm known for and what people are expecting is something totally different. So I'd rather stick with the, the quality over quantity all day.
1: It's interesting too, now this process you have where you're getting shoes directly from the brands or directly from the athletes reps. I want to know early on in your career, what type of hustles did you have to get shoes? Because I assume for a customizer, When they're just starting out, a a big part of your margin is being able to somehow find a bunch of Air Force Ones that are cheap or a bunch of blank shoes that you can paint over.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I mean, luckily, when I started, I worked at every single sneaker chain you can think of i worked at Champs, i worked at Full Locker, I worked at Finish Line. I worked at Finish Line when Full Locker didn't have the Jordan account anymore for a little bit. There was like that little window where like yeah. the came out. Dark times. Yep. Yeah, the 17 where they wouldn't yep. want to sell the expensive mm-hmm. shoes. Yep. So, so I went and did stock at Finish Line just to have my employee discount. I would show up once a week and just run stock because my boy was a manager, so he took care of me. But Was there yeah. a
1: limit on how many pairs you could buy on the discount?
0: Back then, that was kind of wild, wild west. and I think Joe would test mm-hmm. that. But it's um and then employee appreciation forget it you know full up yep. yeah I, I, I remember i had a whole wall of mosh saved stuff like i wasn't paying two hundred dollars for phone pods get out of here but, <laughs> um but yeah so back back then i was just really painting my own shoes you know because i was just still trying to get better i was just pretty much shooting free throws in the gym trying to get better and i was just painting stuff and painting things that i thought would look cool and, and you know the house in the basement and, you know, when I, when I was doing that, it certainly wasn't full time. I was, you know, working at a school for autism and I would, want, you know, work with kids that are from age seven to 18 on the whole spectrum, you know, and I'd be doing, you know, care and they're, they're sleeping. I'm painting shoes while I'm doing the overnight shift. And, you know, I was just kind of doing things like that. And I was doing stuff for like local people, like the barbers and things like that, charging like 75 bucks for a pair. And I didn't know if they were going to hold up or not because, again, we didn't know how to do it properly. I want to talk about something else
3: that Brendan also knows nothing about is wrestling. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You're Hugh. You're like the go-to guy in the WWE for custom shoes. I know you got a lot of, you know, credit for doing the Shane McMahon air Jordans. I know we talked about that on, on the sneaker shopping, like Mm -hmm. how, how big has the WWE been for you?
0: That um, I feel like I should be on a retainer with WWE at these days. It's it's great because they, they do take care of their own. You know they're very loyal. They know that again, kind of like how the football and sports go. They know they need something in a pinch. Like I know you guys have talked to Kofi before. He knows that he can get me up like two days before a pay per view and be like, hey, we have this this outfit. Can you make this? And I run to the mall and try and figure out a base shoe that will work with that. But it also has to be a shoe that he can wrestle in. So you can't go get some like like pump Furies. I remember, he, mm-hmm. he tried to wrestle on those, and that that part with the big, you know, uh, carbon fiber plate would get stuck on the ropes. So when I was like, why did the shoes with the uh, Jordan 34s? I had to make sure it was flat enough that he could do that. The the WWE fan base is extremely diverse and loyal, and they're very every time I do a shoe for like I say a Becky Lynch or something like that, I get some crazy DMs from fans, <laughs> and you know, and it's you know, it's great. I, I can I can't even imagine what they deal with because I get some crazy ones. So, um, what do these DMs look like? <laughs> well, they, they'll, they'll like, ask me weird questions, like, you know, did, did you talk to her? Yeah. You know, like, they like, want to know what that. her feet smelled like. Like weird, like weird stuff. And you know, no, they're not all like that, but you know, when someone's like, their their screen names like Becky Lynch fan one two three four. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they
2: ask you to give her sneakers from them or something like that or, or, or you're you,
0: like can you can you text her and tell her you know great and, and hey yeah shoot your shot you gotta try and do it right. you know what i'll be honest with you like if i was starting out as a customizer and i saw some way to get in i'd probably do the same thing so i can't judge but yeah the, the WWE fans are definitely loyal and I, they're very supportive and great and and the w like them in general has been awesome i mean We've had a lot of projects that got kinda of got sidelined with COVID. Now we're gonna do some stuff for WrestleMania and something with uh for SummerSlam, but I mean, the world that we're living in right now, we're gonna we're gonna see uh how far, you know, we take in what we can do.
2: Has you know, the the football season is planning but kind of up in the air. Are you working on football cleats as we speak? like a bunch. I know you said you talked to Jarvis, but
0: Yep. Um I've I've had a couple guys that have sent stuff in like in the last like two months beforehand. Like they'll just send me like the whole lineup because they, they know that I, you know, where I'm I guess my priorities are in terms of like my my main guys, like Diggs and you know, Thielen and all these other guys. So they want to make sure like ones that are just want to get like simpler things can get I can bang those out before the season starts. You know, whether it's team colors or just simple things. You know, and then we'll just have some on hand, you know, some things written in pencil, like a list of themes that we're thinking of for throughout the season. then I'll just try to do my normal juggling act, you know, between cleats for seven days.
2: Is there a dream person, dream client that you haven't got to work with yet that you may have been close to and it just hasn't happened yet? Or an athlete, someone that you really want to create for?
0: um it's it's hard because like in the last two years I, I checked up a lot of them like the rock was one i've done two things for him now um walberg was one we Did stuff for him i'll be honest with you like i'd like i'd love to do so i mean i think my hit list is like yours i want to do something for travis i think it'd be dope i think i have i have enough ways to get to him and i've talked to people to do something for him but i want him to like know who i am and not just give it to him like hey here's a pair of shoes mm-hmm. i want to actually interact and have some input I think those, those experiences go a lot further when you have someone that you can actually interact with, as opposed to gifting and saying, you did it for somebody like, oh, we're cooking this. That's not what's happening. I'm not. Did he,
3: did he notice your, I know you, you did those astro world, like tie dye, yep. air force ones, the canvas ones. Did he notice
0: that or. Yeah. He, he liked them. He, he he did all that. So, I mean, he know he knows I exist, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always good. It's one of those few times I'll do one of these and yeah so that was that was good so foot step in the right direction for sure i think
1: on a similar note are there things you wanted to do on sneakers that you just couldn't figure out how to do you know projects you kind of had to walk away from because you couldn't determine the right way to execute an idea
0: i mean deconstructing shoes i'm not a shoemaker that's all i think a lot of the things that that i'm in the bid for usually get sent to dom or somebody else because that's what they do and some people are just Mm -hmm. all about that stuff and hey i mean again i i respect what he does and it's just a matter of taste, you know. If people want want to have have a deconstructed thing, or if they want some artwork, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Just like you know, like you could ask Dom to go paint paint Joe La puma's face on a pair of Pumas. He can't do that, but I also can't put Puma skin on a pair of Pumas. So, so
1: that'd be a hell of a three way collab. Yeah, right. But Mosh, when- <laughs> shoe surgeon Joe La puma <laughs> Let's on, do it on some Pumas, and they gotta hey.
3: be black. They have to be yep. black. Yep mosh you have your own shoe coming out you know finally but before before we get to that i know that you had like mentioned to me in the past that you were like trying to get your own sneaker with like actual brands outside of like custom like you were trying to do like mosh collaborations that like never came to the forefront and you were probably like this
0: close to getting your own sneaker in the store like yeah yeah as as someone who does what I do, and I figure starting in the early two thousands, I think a goal and looking at the people who who did do stuff with brands, say it's a sabotage. You're seeing artists like Futura and Stash, and you know amphibian and all those guys that were doing it before I was doing it, and that's who the people I looked up to and was like a gold standard. But I saw that they could get you know their name on a shoe with a Nike or whatever. You know, I can rattle off more names of you know other artists that got stuff, but I always envisioned that was the way to kind of get some validation for what I did and I was just like that was so like drilled in my head that that's that was the only way to feel validated and you know yeah I, I did the collaboration with Ewing which was awesome and it was great to work with them. but as as something that I think resonated more with you know people like myself like not just like core Ewing fans or Ace Ventura fans like those sold out which was great I mean it was, it was the second biggest Ewing release except for Fabian Tiana Taylor shoe. I oh, wow. did a restock. It was the first time Ewing ever did a restock on anything it was my shoe. So just, so I knew I could move units, I guess was the way, but like, you know, working with, you know, brands and talking to brands, you know, I've been in the conversation of things and it, it's, it's a tough thing with artists. You know, you see a lot of like, I'm thinking of other artists like the Trouble Andrew Reeboks and um, a bunch of different other artist series ones that were successful in small batches. And I, I, I was envious of it. I'm not going to say I wasn't. Um, and for years and years and years, I remember talking to people from Jordan Brand and other things. I'm like, Yo, what am I doing wrong? I'm like, what else can I do to to get something? on like, I'm working with all these people and doing all this stuff. And I think my problem was I was trying to, to appease everybody else and not just kind of do whatever. Like they said, I didn't really have a distinct style because I'm so versatile in my art. I can paint anything. Like if you see a Hebrew Brantley artwork, you know, that's Hebrew. Like, you know, that's his work you see, you know, um, all the, any other artists have a distinctive style and I didn't have one. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here and try and make up a style. So I just knew that wasn't my route and I, i not gave up on it, but I was just like, all right, if it happens, it happens. And I I think I finally came to fruition to make a change to kind of do it myself was, um, this past all-star game when it was in, uh, in Chicago, because generally I'll, I'll have some kind of capacity of working with a brand, whether it's doing just like one-offs for, for a player or like for an event or a giveaway or something like that. And for the first year in a couple of years, I didn't get any phone calls from anybody. And I was just like, damn, you know, so I'm, I'm I mean, I know it was very cold in Chicago hmm. that weekend and, you know, I, but I still had FOMO that I wasn't there. I was like, you know what? I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to weigh down a brand anymore. I do. I want to do it myself. And this is where we cue in. So I was talking to my buddy, my buddy Richie Range, Jake Erickson, and he was like, "Bro, he goes, you ever want to do a shoe? You let me know." And it's that offer's been on the table for years. And finally, that weekend, I was just like, you know what? I was like, I think it's time. I think it's time to to try and try and do this thing because. You know, friends and whatever—they're like, "Yeah, that's really cool." But you know, when are we gonna get the mashu? When's the mashu mm-hmm. gonna come out? Mm-hmm. And you know, like, we—I never really looked at myself as a designer. I'm like, "I'm—I'm I'm an artist." That's what I—I make—I make other people's designs look better. I'm—I'm I'm not someone. It was very scary to me because it was just good, again because failure and acceptance and want to be part of the cool kids and all that stuff. You know, I didn't want—I didn't want to look bad. So. I, I was just like, you know what? At this point, it doesn't matter. I was like, it doesn't matter. I, I just want to do it. So I just started pulling out the iPad and just scribbling shapes and things like that. And it started to come about.
1: How can we get the shoes?
0: How can you get the shoes? Um, I'm planning on having uh, these these things.
2: Before we get to how yep. would you get them, give us some insight on the design. And give us some insight on the design that you did not give slam kicks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah so when i did, did the shoe like i was just thinking of things that i've seen in other designs and like i guess like trends i mean i didn't want to just do like a chunky style and i didn't want to do like a knockoff jordan one and there's no shade to that stuff just i wanted to do something that was like more wearable for me so a runner was more the route i wanted to go you know i wear a lot more new balances now a lot more comfy stuff so comfort was number one making it look good was certainly 1.5 of importance when I started sketching it I was just trying to find the shape first I was just trying to find like I, I think of all those like New Balance 1500s and things like that that have that point in the old Gel Light 3 is the original shape I know like the Asics aficionados know how important shape is and complain about that stuff so the shape was very important when I started doing it I, I wanted to not so much have so much influence from other shoes even though you can see lines that look similar in some things because it's like you know when you're around shoes for as long as you've been some things just become familiar and you know things flow well but just sketching it out i didn't have a theme in mind like in terms of like the colorway. i just want to get the the silhouette like actually the first colorway i did was not this centralia themed one it was it was more of like the old uh, snow beach colorway was the first one i did and it was very dope but i also didn't want my first Mm. shoe to be like Oh, it looks like the snow beach colorway. Like, I didn't want that. I want it to be like everything. I want it to be my own thing. And actually, right. mm-hmm. I'm going to say that the theme and the whole narrative of this whole series, um, I got to give props to my wife. She was like, she goes, we should do something that gets people to want to interact with it. You know, and then traveling is the one thing we wanted to have be like the overlying story. So, you know, when we think of the travel, and I, I know I've, I've said this other times, but like, you know, thinking of going overseas and all that stuff seems to be like such a popular thing. But, you know, in the United States, and America, there's so many things that are, you know, beauty and things that people can appreciate that people don't even know about. And I figured why not shed some light on those things in, within, you know, you know, our, our 50 states and kind of let people get the shoes and maybe take a photo, you know, in that place or like, you know, have, have some interaction with the actual site. Like some, I, I won't give you some of the inspirations, but, you know, there, there's a, one, of the, one of them is based in New Orleans, but it's not Mardi Gras. It's not Bourbon Street. It's something else, and, but I want to make sure that, you know, Derek from Politics is involved because that's family. I want to make it organic. I want to make it involved with people that matter and people that, mm-hmm. not just to be cool and like whatever, but just genuinely want to be part of it and excited about it. So the Centrale part, I wanted to do something that was colorful, but also not all over like, say like the What the Jordan 5, which I do like, but I didn't want it to look like a Skittles. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want it to look like something crazy. So, Centralia is the ghost town that was based. Uh, I didn't even know it was based off of the movie and the video game Silent Hill. Um, I only found out because one of my WWE wrestlers, who's a gamer, she I told her about Centralia. She goes, "Is that like Silent Hill?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "That's the ghost town from whatever." So I looked up, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that is what it is." So I I learned something. But the whole thing with the graffiti highways, I was mm-hmm. I saw the whole story about it being you know the, the whole highway literally cracked up. And there was like, there's still gas and fires underneath the town. So it's totally not safe to be there. So, but people would still go there and trespass and, you know, tag and do whatever. But in terms of the design, the overlying of the colors was very important because again, like when you, when you tag stuff and you put things over other people's names, um, you layer and layer and layer. And I thought the play on the design worked really well for that theme. It wasn't intended initially because obviously I designed the shoe before I picked the colorway but you see how like when you wear it, it kind of flares out and looks a little mm-hmm. wearable. So like when it does get worn, it's going to start fraying a little bit and mm-hmm. you're going to get a little bad, that aspect. Awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. One of the cool things
3: uh, about it is that you were saying when, you know, you weren't given like people like Jordan brand told you, you didn't have a distinctive style. And I guess a lot of your artwork is making things that other people want rather than what you necessarily like. I mean, it might be a part of your vision, but it's like pleasing someone else. And it's, interesting to to see this where it's if this feels like if people know you and follow you on instagram and see the shoes that you're personally into this feels a lot more like representative of your personal taste rather than sometimes just the customs you have to make for
0: customers yeah no thanks man i appreciate that yeah it yeah it's it's a thing just for time because time is one of those things that's the most valuable entity and i don't have time to do you know, my own little passion products anymore. You know, I would love to paint a canvas, but I don't have the time to do it. So very, very rarely do I get a chance. And this is the first time that I, I think uh, I got some time to put a little more of me into it. And yeah, you know, and I hope people like it. You know, from the from the most part, the reception has been pretty positive. I'd say like 98%. You know, we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see how great it is on release day. But, you know. Which is when? How do we buy it? Uh, tentatively, we're looking at the 7th of August. We're going to put it on pre-order. Because since it's all made in the USA, you're not going to have to wait, you know, six months to get it, you know, from a boat on overseas. I'm going to put the pre-order for 72 hours, so everyone that wants them gets a chance. Um, we're going from size six to 15, so my big footers and the girls can get them. Yeah, so no, no, no limit on what we're doing. I mean, I don't know what to expect in terms of numbers. I could sell 10 pairs. I couldn't sell 10,000. Who knows? I have no idea. But so we're ready for whatever. And um, the actual the next colorways are pretty exciting too i'm excited we already have them already ready to go so as soon as this one goes and people are excited about getting this shoe the next one's already coming so we're gonna do a little series planning about five colorways of this model taking us into next year
2: amazing well thank you so much i know that we are so happy you got this opportunity and no one more deserving. And it's also great that you have more colorways coming. So it's kind of like a long-term thing, not just a one and done. And just working with you throughout the years in different situations, it's been great. And, and you are a big part of the community and, it, and it's always good when someone like you gets an opportunity to do this. So uh, we are very, very happy
0: for you, man. Appreciate you guys. And like I said, you guys are shown love forever. So it, I'm truly grateful to you guys and giving me the platform and you guys are killing it, doing this stuff too. I mean, Joe, you've been growing and growing, and growing. And Brendan, I remember you getting no a mustache. You know, I'm. Don't don't I, I leak the photos
1: was, of me with no mustache.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I got dirt. Nah, I, <laughs> I appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. Yeah, I remember Matt I had no hair. And yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah,
3: it came back. It Came back. Everything. Sponsored you... by Noble. Yeah. yeah,
2: he's gonna work <laughs> on that. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully. I don't know when, but hopefully we're at the Barclays for Monday Night Raw. You know, sometime soon, man. And, yeah, man.
0: And if that if that happens, we're we're, we're backstage.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> Mosh. Thanks so much, and we will uh, hear from you and, and talk to you soon.
0: Awesome, thanks. Thank guys.
2: you, man. Take care. Our producer is David Matthews. Sophia Steiner-Evoy is our editor. Sound engineering and mixing done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Craig Clayton and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.